Welcome to my live talk. My name is Ed Malmack. This live talk is all about exploring entrepreneurship and the leadership mindset. Most of us, we know that property is probably the best investment of all time. But with lockdown, property market has faced some challenge. Many lenders and the buyer cannot visit property for inspection, which makes it harder to sell or buy property. So today, my guest is Jave. Jave, how are you today? I'm fantastic, thank you, Eddie. How are you? I'm good. I'm always good and thanks for coming. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so Jave is a remote virtual property investor and the mastermind trainer. And today, Jave will help us to demystify the secret of the modern way to invest in property so we don't have to risk ourselves and go to the place. Have the last time we had you in our live talk, it was the beginning of the lockdown, and uh, yeah. you were talk- we were talking about how the market may change because of the pandemic and all of that. Since then, how is your uh, property investment? Have my investments, as in like properties were buying, or as in my view on the market? Uh... In, 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 in buying, in viewing? Yes, buying at the moment has been tough, you know, we're out there trying to bid, but like most of the market, it leads into the similar question, but most of the market is experiencing a little bit of a mini boom at the moment, so whenever you've got strong selling market, it becomes difficult for motivated sellers because they're not so motivated, so we've only got one deal in legals at the moment and one we're just completed on. But both of them offers are accepted before lockdown. We've had no offers accepted since lockdown. But we're, make, we're making offers, but we're still getting close on the prices because uh, I'm factoring in a little after all there's going to be a correction. So we're factoring in enough for if, if or when this correction comes. If it don't come, I'd still would like to factor it in. I'd be willing to buy as business. But, uh, but the part of buying side is difficult for us. But I'm, I speak to a lot of investors, I mean, a lot of communities. And I think the experience is pretty the same across the board. So what we are what we are doing, I think we should be ready to launch this week. We're going to do some direct Facebook, uh, direct vendor campaign adverts. So we're not just going through agents. Like previously, I'd say ninety percent of the deals I've got, maybe even ninety five percent of the deals I've got was directly from estate agents and the, and the relationships I built up with them. I've got a few director vendor previously, but not many, but we didn't focus that, that much on it. So now we're doing the online campaign and we're going to try and go a bit more director vendor and hope that that moves up the amount of properties that we can purchase and get offers accepted on. But ultimately, I'm not, uh, it's still a, it's a seller's market more than a buyer's market at the moment across the whole of the UK, that is, you know. So, yeah. Uh, not much has changed in the way we operate, apart from we're going into doing uh, director vendor Facebook ads, which I think is a much more of a effective way than doing leafleting. Leafleting works, but I've tried it in the past. I'm, still, I'm not a big fan of it. I think it's very tight on too many. It lands on too many. It's too random who it lands to. So yeah, uh, with the direct to vendor campaign using Facebook, you can target people that actually look to sell their ads and people are showing interest. In like that not just everybody you know so yeah it's going to be interesting we should be launching this week mm-hmm. so that's good because even though the market for you and the investment is not the same as it used to be before but you're still moving 
and they're coming out with some new strategy to help you to cope with all this uh, lockdown and everything. So, but uh, as we, uh, as the introduction we said, today we're talking about um, remote and uh, virtual investment. What most of us, we know the traditional way of investing property. You, the seller, they advertise the property. We go to the property, we view the property, we take everything, then we decide what to do with the property. But the new way, which is um, remote or virtual in investment. So how do you do virtual? How is, how is a, a remote or virtual investment? Yeah, so basically everything, uh, everything today you do in person can be done virtually. And I was preaching this before the lockdown, but the lockdown has really rapidly sped up everybody's views on it because everybody that continued working throughout the lockdown had to go online. And if they didn't go online, they had to stop working. So they had two choices, stop working or go online. So what this looks like is using videos, uh, online communications to do your business as opposed to the in-person. It comes with pros and cons without a shadow of that. Sometimes it is much nicer to uh, to be actually in person dealing with people, but the the trade-off for me that works for me, and it won't work for everybody, but this trade-off works for me, is the fact that you can buy houses that you need a 15,000 pound deposit for, as opposed to a 100,000 pound deposit where I live, or, or a house that gives you an eight, 10% yield, as opposed to a house that gives you maybe a four, percent yield or uh, a trade-off another trade-off is being able to refinance some houses and, and get motivated sellers as much at the moment even in my area there's not many motivated sellers but in the north again this is why remote invest it wasn't because of covid that i started doing it virtually it's because i want to go to a different location and i thought okay let's use technology to enable me doing that so i don't have to be on the ground all the time or move there so uh, the other attraction is in the north, there's a lot more motivated sellers. There's motivated sellers in London, in the whole of the country, but the higher, the more the seller, the, mar- the more it's a seller's market, the less motivated sellers. So this is what attracted me there. So I, can, I like buying and refurbishing your mortgages. So you buy the property, say you buy it for 70,000 pound, you spend 5,000 pound on it, you then go back and say it's worth 100,000 pound, you get 75% mortgage on that, and you pretty much got all your money out. Don't always happen that simply, but it does, uh, even if you've got a, got a valuation of £90,000, you're still going to release a large part of your funds back out of it. And this is another reason I like the properties in the north. And I feel the north gives you a lot of downside protection for what we're going into, is because uh, £15,000 in a property that could potentially give you £3,000 a year income, if you don't get it revalued or you get a down valuation or the market drops a little bit, it's not so damaging if you've got hundred thousand pounds in the property and you get that valuation. It, it really hold it really can hold you back a lot more. And also, just the mortgage um, calculate. I'm in a, I'm in the first flat I bought. This is in the south, and this house to buy today, I, I've got over fifty percent equity in this house. And it's not because I wouldn't lend against it again. It's because I can't because of the mortgage cap on my rental income, it only let stress test you 125 or 145% of what the income is. So I've got lots of equity in it, which makes me feel good, but feel good don't pay my bills every month or allows me to go on holiday. I like cash flow, cash flow is key, not my net worth. I don't want a net worth. And yes, it's quite important also, but 
cash flow's what pays you, you know, not capital growth. And the only time capital growth will pay you is if you cash it in. And then that said, the Northwest has had the best capital growth for the last five years, barring none that beat London and everywhere. London's actually pretty stalled. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so based on your experience, what is the best area to do remote investment? The one that suits you. So you've, there's, there's, there's logistics that you ask yourself for this. So I feel there's five leading questions. Anything you'll do, uh, and I'm so great at the moment, I've got one of my friends fitting fit, fit some fire doors in the property I'm in now. And uh, I said to him on the way here, you've got to qualify and disqualify everybody, whether it's builders, whether it's letting agents, or anything, or an area, so the same again. But the last thing you want to do is spend a lot of time on an area. So I've got a qualifying process where you can quickly ask yourself these questions and identify whether or not it's worth digging into it. So number one is location. How far away is it? Ideally, depending on your goals and your individual goals, what you want to work out is what you want from property first, and then you reverse engineer what you want from it. Like if you want time and freedom, probably not a great thing to get into rent to rent. If you want to give up your job, rent to rent can be a fantastic thing to give you cash flow to give up your job. So you've got to first of all work out that, what that is. But when you're looking at a location, you've worked out your why, you want to look at the, how far it is. So if you want to grow a big portfolio, it does help to go there at least once a month, ideally every other week for like a night or two nights. So you do want it accessible. But if you just want to be hands free and pay somebody to do it for you, like there's many companies out there that do that. That's not going to be so important, but it still is nice, I feel, to be within four hours. So number one is location. Number two is a network. Do you know somebody in the area already? Do you, and especially, do you know somebody who's experienced in the area? So when I went to Stockton on Tees, I met a guy that done over 100 property deals in the location, developing, owning, buy to lets. So I knew somebody that guided me in the area and gave me a good understanding. Number, number three is, uh, uh, capital growth, what's the potential capital growth and do you want that? Are you, is capital growth more important? Or number four question is, is deals, is it good deals? Because if you've got capital growth, you don't get as many motivated sellers. So you can't, it's not as big of a chance of getting a buyer refurbished mortgage. You've got to wait for capital growth to come before you can remortgage it. So if there's less motivated sellers, there's less chance of a buyer refurbished mortgage. So it's depending on what's more important to you. So generally the Northwest has got more capital growth and the Northeast has got more motivated sellers. You get both in both areas. There is micro pockets, this is a generalization, but you ask yourself both their questions, what would you want more? And then you score the area as in how good is the capital growth potential and how good is the the the, the deal like the motivated sellers and finding deal potential. Then the next question you want to ask yourself is uh, what are the yields like? And again, it depends what you want. I like minimum eight percent. So uh, the Northwest gives you slightly lower yields, yields like Manchester, Liverpool, because they're really popular areas. The yields are slightly lower in, in parts of them, in the better parts. So figure out what the yields are to score it on, on how well it yields the area. And then the last question is what's the rent demand right now? So what I work with my students and my mentees is I'll say to them uh, on the coaching programs is pick three areas and score them all out of five. All the questions there, score out of five and then you'll get an indication. The one that scores the strongest, not always is the best, but give you an indication on which area's probably stronger. But then you'll, you'll never get every location scored a five, every question scored a five. So you've got to work the trade-offs. So, trade so for me, to be able to get motivated sellers and, and have the knowledge of the area from that guy I knew, 
was worth exchanging the capital growth potential. So it depends what you want, but if you ask yourself questions, you'll get a clearer picture on picking the area that suits you. So different areas will suit different people's criteria and where they live in the country now. Okay. So um, when you have to get to know the area, because it is virtual, do you have a remote investment? Do you also uh, Google the information or you have to go to the, to the place and uh, get to know the street, maybe ask some question with the neighbor? Yeah, without a shadow of that, it does help to go to the location. And again, this is why I say there's, there's four types of property investors. I've, I've modeled this from Robert Kiyosaki and the cash flow quadrant. I've said there's the investor quadrant. You've got hands-free investor, part-time investor, solopreneur investor, and entrepreneur investor. The hands-free is a guy who's got business, no interest in property apart from getting a better return on his money. So he pays somebody to do everything from them, front to back, done for you service. A part-time investor will be somebody that loves their job, but they don't want to give up their job. They want to do a few bits of investment aside, but they, they want to be a little bit hands-on, part-time, do a few viewings. A solopreneur investor is somebody that's full-time in property, but they are the business. They do it all themselves. They might have a VA maybe or a PA, but they, they pretty much do everything themselves. And an entrepreneur investor is somebody that builds into business and systems that can operate with or without that. So depending where you are and where you want to be, because you can't slow down an entrepreneur from day one, you have to build up to that. But depending where you are will ultimately depend, like, depend on your approach but i advise everybody to go to the area if you want to be solopreneur or entrepreneur it helps to get to the area from time to time you don't need to be reliant on being there all the time so yes you do most of your research online even if you're local you're probably going to do a lot of research online crime reports school reports all the general stuff developments what's the infrastructure going into the area do all that online but i think if somebody can get to an area once a month which you could go on a friday night spend the whole Saturday there and come back on a Saturday night or maybe Sunday morning. So you get a whole day there if you're already working a normal job or if you're not working, you're flexible or your work's flexible. I tend to go on a Wednesday midday and come back on a Friday midday. So I get the whole Thursday there. Wednesday evening, I usually network with people and Friday morning, I do a few bits before I come home. But if somebody really serious about building their future and you can't spare one day a month to do that once a month or, may, or maybe twice a month, depending on if you want to grow, I'm not sure how serious you are about your future firstly or whether it's the right match for you. You know, it's not a match for everybody, by the way. It depends if you're working 12-hour shifts and seven days a week, then you've got to think of a different strategy maybe. Maybe a hands-free version to outsource it to people until you've got a bit more time on your side. But, but yeah, most of the research is online, but it does help to walk the streets, get up there, get a feel for the area. But majorly networking with people, which is done more so through communities and online, which can be done better and more efficiently than in-person networking anyway. It does help to be in-person, but yeah, you leverage it so much more in other communities than online. Okay, so second question, you said you started your invest, or you started your remote investment even though we were before lockdown. So why did you start a remote investment and how was your first deal? Yeah, okay, so we're sitting in my first deal, funny enough. Uh, I'll take you for a little bit of a, a walk. So when I was born in London and I, uh, from, I'm proud of being uh, born in the capital of the UK. It's a great, it's a great city. But then uh, from the age of six, I grew up in a little village in Essex called uh, called Avery, it's on the outskirts, still on the inside of the M25. 
And I knew that didn't have enough stock there. Back then, this was 11 years ago, I didn't do no research. I just used my instinct. I wanted to get into property. I made loads of mistakes doing it this way, by the way, guys. But uh, I, I wanted to get into property. I bought a development piece of land to try and build two three bedroom houses. And then the first buy to let I bought was in South End because where I lived, it just didn't work out. And then what ended up happening was, is I'll show you around this property. This is the property I bought, the first one. And this is this is this is difficult to manage because it's forty minutes away, as my properties that are four hours away. So uh, we're getting the kitchen and that doors going up at the moment. But I'll take you downstairs to sort of tell you the story a bit more, because this ended up turning out being the agent told me it's a great rental. If you want it as a buy to let, perfect. And back then I didn't really use Google or research the area. I just trusted the agent what he told me. And it turned out to be in just just a few streets up from the main street that was prostitution and heroin addicts and it's a really really bad street so at night time we used to get ladies of the night walking up and down the street selling their services and then in the morning if i'll just show you this quickly and then in the morning at the end of the street here if you can see let's, let's walk down here it's probably easiest for me to walk down here so this is one two three houses down this building here behind me, this little building here, used to be, lucky enough it's not anymore, but it used to be a drug rehabilitation centre. So these ladies used to be heroin addicts that was walking the streets at night and they used to be there in the morning getting their rehabilitation. So that's what, what made me think, wow, I didn't know South End no better than I knew four hours away in stockton on Tees. In fact, I knew that better because I met a guy from there and he told me about the, these areas was it up there as well. But he guided me away from them areas. He gave me that guidance and advice to say, don't invest there, don't invest there. I didn't have that guidance in South End. All I had was an agent that said, yeah, of course it's a great property because they were trying to sell it to me. So this is what broke the concept of me saying, oh, OK, yeah, this could probably work. I was also following a guy called, uh, uh, what was his name? AJ, his name was. And he lived in Romford, about 20 minutes from where I live. And he'd, he'd invested all over the country and I bought this I bought this flat as I said it's the first floor flat so one just up there I bought this and then I bought my I'd run out of money after buying a bit of land and then I stumbled across buy refurbish with mortgage I actually loaned some money from the bank which you're not allowed to do a disclaimer but I loaned some money got my second property locally to where I am a bit closer about 15 minutes from where I was and uh, I refurbished it I had to put about 40 odd K in it and the property price was half the price than they are today I only got 11k back out and I was like, I can't keep loaning money, where am I going to get my next deposit from? And then I bumped into this guy from North, I was seeing this other guy online buying properties for less money than I was putting in deposits. But this guy guided me away from them poor properties and I put that next bit of money in and I bought refurbished mortgage and I ended up doing free and he supported me. And then I got sidetracked and then uh, I went and done some training and all the trainers were saying I only invest within an hour so I thought I'd got this wrong I was thinking, they're more credible than me. And then went back to investing locally, done a HMO, which was hard to raise the money for. It was a few hundred thousand pounds. And yeah, it was just difficult. I didn't enjoy doing HMOs and the single lets wasn't feasible. So uh, I really realized, wow, like when I thought about it, I didn't know this area, no better than I knew four hours away. And I've got a support network there from that guy. So of course it can work. And this was sick. This realization was really about six years ago. So I really went about thinking, look, we've got technology there, we've got video calls. Back then, they're not as good as they are today. And yeah, that's what broke the concept for me and 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 made me just really go after it. Okay. Wow, that is a, an interesting uh, journey. How mm -hmm. you started? Because one thing I noticed is that everyone starting the business, 
they have some kind of mind-blowing experience they had so which makes it very interesting because i feel it was good because you didn't give up you're still here so it is good and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so one thing you for example you bought the property you had to do some renovation so how do you manage distance renovation yeah, so no different to this one in South End is actually proving difficult. This is what I like to say to people. When you're starting out and you've got no contacts, it takes a while to build up contacts. There's a saying saying your network is your net worth. And network it takes a while to build up. Quicker using social media today and building your presence up and you do videos and, and people get trust and know and like you quicker than ever before. But it still takes time and trial and error picking out the right people, the trusted people. So I'm actually 40 minutes away in this property and I've been struggling with trades. It took us twice as long as it should do. It's because I've got no contacts here. We've only got one property here, so we, we don't got enough volume to build up the contacts. But uh, but yeah, everything else, can, everything I've done here, I've been done online. So we had a, we've done photos, I sent it across, went on rated people, check a trade, called around, asked everybody I knew as well, you know. Uh, but we manage mainly, I use uh, Basecamp, which is a task management software. So we've got a checklist of what has to be done from purchasing through to the maintenance to getting electric on and all the steps of what you have to do with little processes and manuals with that. So anybody can be plugged into this software and uh, and they can, like, I can guide anybody through it. It's got a little process there. So we get a new person on the ground with processes and videos, guide them, look, this is how you do it. This is what you want to do. And then with the builders, what we do is, especially if I'm working with a new builder, I'll just say to them, okay, I want daily reports across WhatsApp, whatever they're on. I might not bring them into Basecamp straight away because I might not want to use a new software, but I'll be like, okay, we want daily reports online of videos, pictures of, of reports. And I just want to speak to you daily. And what I generally try to arrange with them is I say to them, uh, we'll pay you, I'll pay for all materials up front. And at the end of the first week, if you've done your work okay daily, you report it in every day, we can see the progress is going along where it should be going along. Because I've asked them for a time scale, I'll then pay you like the first week's worth of wages. So you've got some money on the can. And our jobs, we keep them small anyway. We only like two or three week refurbs because if you're far away, you want to make sure you ain't making it too complicated. Also, a lot of houses, as I said, the big attraction for me is the price as well. Like I bought this house, this flat here is now more closer to 200,000 pounds. I could buy houses up north for 60,000. The last one we bought, we just refurbed the moment was 61,000 pounds. So the deposits and the yields are much more attractive. But uh, as I said, when you're far away, you want to make sure you keep it nice and simple. But them houses up north also, doing lofts, conversions, extensions at that bracket wouldn't add you enough value anyway. But you keep the refurb nice and simple for one, two reasons. One, if you've got a 10K refurb and it goes over 10%, it's a thousand pounds. It's not ideal, but it's not damaging. If you've got, if you're doing a hundred thousand pounds worth of loft conversion and extensions, and that goes over 10%, that's 10K, it's, it's difficult. Also, if you set out the payment scheme correctly with the builder, so for instance, as I said, I'll verbally say to them first, so okay, we'll pay all the materials, so ain't going to like that any cost. If you give us daily reports at the end of the week, we'll pay you, we'll pay you on set payments as long as the reports come in. So if it's two or three weeks, we pay them once a week, every week. Uh, and then once we've got an agreement, I'll say to them, look, I've been burnt a few times, I'm far away, I'm only gonna pay the last payment if everything's done to the level of standard that we've agreed. And no builder can say no. They say no, it's just telling you they're a shoddy builder anyway, you know? So they'll just say yes. Once they say yes, and this is the key, you don't want to be too demanding at the front. Usually you try and get quotes and plant a few of these seeds along the way. 
And once they've said yes and they give you the quote and they commit to the job, you then say, look, here's a list of schedule of work and our agreement and then my agreement how I will pay. Do you mind signing this across signable? You send it to them, so it's nice and easy. Most people got smartphones. Say, so do you mind signing that? And once they're that committed in, they will. And if they don't, then it tells you what do you particularly want them to do your job for you? You're probably better off trying to find somebody new. So uh, this is what keeps them accountable. So then if they don't finish, again, if you're doing your first few jobs, I can finish jobs completely now because I've got a network, team members on the ground, so they can snag the job for me. I don't have to go in them. But if I bought my first property, I'll just make sure I turn up on the date that they they said the completion was going to be. If they said it's going to be finished next Friday, I say, okay, I'm going to turn up on the Monday. That gives you a three days overspill in case there's any snags or unforeseens. And I'm not going to pay fully until every single thing's done. Rubbish gone, everything will agree, okay? So I'll give you, how many days extra do you want me to give you as an over? So I'm being reasonable with them. I say, I'll turn up Monday and I'll pay the final payment on the Monday, three days after you're finished. And just make sure you turn up there. Go up there for a day, you can jump on the train. It's worth it. If you've got an investment like that, you spent five, 10K on a refurb, you just bought a house, it's worth 60K and you spent 15K on a deposit. It's worth just, just, just going and have that look that first time. Or you can completely outsource that to a, a pack like somebody that portfolio builds, but obviously there's a trade-off of cost on that, you know, so. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I believe now you, with, with the, the, uh, the description you gave, you already have a full idea and you train to deal with build and the distance refurbishment. Yep. But uh, before, when you started, did you have any, did you have any uh, issue with the builder and if you had how did you manage them yeah i had loads of issues with builders but i've had issues with builders in properties i own locally and far around the world i have issues with i've had issues that chippy's house making a bit of noise i've come out here i've had issues with i've had issues with uh accountants I've had issues with lawyers. I've had issues with anything you can get a human being involved with, you'll get an issue with. That's the common denominator. Whether it's a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whether that's anybody. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit ideal if you can recognise them quickly on the ground, but that's why you ask for daily updates across videos and, and pictures. And if they're not giving to you, you just say straight away, look, this is our agreement. So, look, just stop the work now, you know? Like, we can't stick to our agreement. You just stop it now. But at the start, no, I, I did have lots of troubles, but also had troubles on my local jobs as well. Uh, and if you follow what I've said about making setting expectations and qualifying them correctly, so this is the qualifying process and setting them expectation correctly, getting them to sign saying you're not going to pay, then the issues minimalise. You still get them a little bit, but you just make sure if they're not answering the WhatsApp every day or putting the update your photos and the video tours at the end of the day and talking you through that, then you just stop it from there. From there, you know, like a. You generally would have a letting agent in the area or an agent that you bought it from. You just ask somebody to to, to just go and change the, 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 the locks or the key locks and just stop it from there, you know. Uh, and not because you've agreed to pay them in stage payments, it's down to them to chase you for the money. But because you've put it in your agreement, it's not a, a, a law-abiding agreement like a, a, a JC, uh, I think they're called 12 contracts, but you don't need it at a level of contract was 5, 10K. That's why I say keep the refurbs nice and simple because if it goes a little bit, if it goes a little bit wayward, they still do to this day for me. Even with my experience, I still get jobs that don't go to plan. It's just part of investing. It's an it's an occupational hazard, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that answered uh, was asking there. Yes, yes, it did. And another question is: uh, once you get the property, then you get someone uh, remote to finish the property. 
then you get a tenant. So how do you deal with the tenant? Uh, for example, if you have a property two hours away from where you live, how do you deal with the tenant? Do you give them to the state agents or you deal with it yourself? Uh, sorry, Ed. Just jump in the, in the car. Uh, like, we, I've got my own team that deals with it. So there's two ways. So I, I've got a... a on my coaching program, we cover uh, lettings. I would highly recommend people use a letting agent to start with because it's going to be just somebody on the ground as well. But a similar again, their people was involved with this. You've got qualified, disqualified. You, the, the level of your results and the level of your life is the level of the questions that you ask yourself and ask people. So you've got to ask yourself challenging questions every day and you've got to ask people challenging questions every day. So again, with my people I'm coaching, I've, I've got a list of questions that you qualify an agent. And it's really long, but it's like the, the managing part of the properties is the key behind investments. You could buy the best below market value deals, you can do the best refurbs, but if you don't collect rent, and if it's a long-term rental business you're in, then that asset turns into a liability, you know, especially if you've got a bad tenant that's wrecking the property. So it's the most important part, but unfortunately, for myself included, the most boring part, for me it was anyway, some people it might not be, and it's the part I least enjoyed. So at the start, I didn't give it, I didn't pay it enough respect and give it enough time. And I tried doing it myself and we had a lot of hassles and a lot of headaches and went through a lot of trial and error and problems. So I advise people starting out to use an agent, qualify them correctly because there's good and bad agents. Uh, make sure you qualify them correctly. But if you do do it yourself, there is, you can use things like Vuba, which does virtual viewings for you. They just turn up, they can do check-ins for you. They can do, they, they experience people in uh, property. You can go on sites like people per hour, uh, great workers that you'll find. Because the problem with finding reliable people or hiring people to work for you is, one, when you're small and solopreneur, getting somebody that's good, they've already got jobs. Anybody good's got a job already. So trying to persuade somebody to leave their job that gives them a good pension, is solid, to come with you with your little startup is difficult. But there's good talent pools in uh, mums that just had babies that don't want to go back to work because they won't give them the flexibility. So if you can give them the flexibility, you can generally get good people. So you, you can go on a thing called uh, workingmums.com. But, uh, but if you're going to self-manage, there is blended way you could do that and get people on the ground to just outsource the viewings as you go along and you take in the paperwork at the back end. And there is ways of doing it. I show my I show my mentees both ways, but I highly recommend just get an agent, qualify a good agent at the start, and then get to if you want to do it yourself, get to a volume where you you've you've got a bit of experience in property, you've watched what the agent's done, and then take it over yourself once you've got a good bit of income coming in and a bit more experience. It's worth it's worth I feel it's worth it. If I'd have done that, I'd have three times the amount of properties I've got today. The the letting side of it, managing it myself too quick really held me up and hit me up mm -hmm. so now you have the strategy you have the property you know how to manage the property and uh, everything's working uh, in your way based on your experience do you think remote and virtual investment should be the solution for the market where we live now uh, for a lot of people, it will be a solution. Everybody's individual, so I feel this is a very good solution. Depends. Look, if you live in Stockton on Tees or you live in Manchester, you don't need to remote invest. But I feel my remote investing and the strategies that I'm teaching people is not just about investing in a remote location. It's about getting your business so it can be run fully through your phone or through your laptop. So if we went on to a lock, another lockdown, you can still operate. You haven't got panic. If you if you want to work from home in your underpants, you can do that. If you want to work from a holiday on a beach, you can do that. I was on a beach 
just over a month ago and I was working. I was running my business from my phone. Nothing stops. I can literally, I, I can just go anywhere and still operate. As long as I've got an internet connection, I can operate. I think this is important for businesses to streamline their businesses and get, one, get online because that's where everything is. But two, the, the, the softwares and systems you'll need to get that online will streamline your business, make it much more cost effective. The landlord have attacked the private rented sector. There's so many more loopholes you have to go through at the moment. The competition's higher than it's ever been. So the difference between making it work sometimes could be just the, your efficiency at the back end, the way the less voids you had, the the, the less uh, the, the better managed tenants you had, the, the faster you can find the tenants, the quicker, more efficient you are at dealing with refurbs and problems, you know? So yeah, I feel not necessarily remote investing is a solution for everybody, but feel getting your business online to be able to operate from anywhere is definitely a solution for everybody. The, the part that if you lived in Manchester or Liverpool or a good location already, the part you just have to miss out is is having to travel to that area, but you still would want to be able to operate your business fully via via phone or laptop, whatever suited you. Okay. So we uh, thanks for your time. We are about to finish our interview, but we still have two questions to ask you. And uh, one of the questions just came to my mind is that, for example, you are very active working. Yeah? Then you get into virtual uh, business, virtual remote investment. Now everything's become a little bit more easier for you. You don't have to go to the property every time. So, for example, in your, for example, uh, what do you do with the rest of the time? You'd start developing more business or you just need <laughs> yeah. to go on a holiday? Yeah, I have a balance. I've got a son, so I like spending time with my son. We, I, I travel month. Well, I, tra I have breaks monthly. It's not always traveling, but I'll, I'll, I have a monthly break. Like this month, we're going down to Butlins. So it's not always like flying around the world, but it could be a spy hotel around the corner. But I do fill my time up. Like, so obviously, I'm building a, 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 a training business. It's, it's pretty new. I only started it in lockdown. So I'm building that up, taking time and effort. I've got a lettings business, what I've built into a business separately. So, yeah. Uh, but I can pick up my, my why in my life is live on, live on my terms. So I do pick and choose when I do want to work. I do, I have little periods where I work extremely hard for for a time and i'll be working till late at night and i work hard and i put the hours in and then i have many periods where i just work in a really limp mode and I'm, I'm just more relaxed and i just sort of balance it up where my energy's at where my my drive's at but uh yeah that'd be the person's choice if they've got it running well and they can do it virtually and they're not they can systemize it a lot more they can either choose to start a new business and then they've got to go through that process again or they can choose to live more relaxed life and spend a bit more time in the garden or whatever your hobbies are you know like playing golf or going to the gym whatever whatever their hobbies are but it's that's exactly it is it's about getting that choices and living on your terms and having the choices of that okay and um another thing is you probably invest with your own uh, cash or your own money but uh for someone who is trying to invest with someone else and, and uh, the, the owner of the money is not there. So how do you attract them to invest then when, for example, I go to them and tell them, look, I've got a no property two hours away. Then I live less than property is in, uh, for example, London. So how do I convince them to invest in distance when most of the, most of the investor, they try to push property back to traditional way of investment? 
Yeah. So social proof is the best way to convince anybody of anything, you know. So having that social proof, I call it being an investable investor. So this is I really drive like with my mentees, I really drive about you've got to get an online presence. You've got to get a social media presence. It won't just work with investors. It work with building trust with builders, building trust with agents. Everybody's online today and everybody checks you out, checks out what you're up to. But with investors, largely people are on, online and uh, and I have I've raised probably over a million pounds. I've not, I don't know the exact number. I'm crap with numbers and probably want to get investment on Dragon's Den because they'd like you to drill your numbers like that. But uh, I've raised easy over a million pounds of private investment. I also buy properties for investors and we charge them five and a half thousand pounds per property. And I've done probably about 30 to 40 deals for investors. And uh, I don't say none of this to show off or buy it by any means. I'm just showing what's possible. I document my journey, just doing little videos every now and again. I've upped that now and I'm getting more. I get probably three to four investors per week wanting me to invest for them and people from all over the country. So people can see what you're doing and you're online, you become investable. So if you're going to an area and you're putting the work in, so you're showing people, I was on my training course last night. I was on this webinar last night. I'm reading this book. I went up to the area. I identified the area. I've just done some research on Google, found this great little street viewer thing to identify the area. If people can see what you're doing and then you buy your first deal or you manage to buy your first deal, and if you don't manage to buy your first deal, if people can see the effort you're putting in into this, you'll become investable. The best way people see that is online today. You know, you can't amplify that message no better than going online and doing that. And if you post it on your personal page, family members friend members at the start it's much more difficult if you've got no experience you're going to have a much smaller pool of people that's going to want to invest in you because people want to see experience but you look at dragon's den though it's not impossible but a lot harder a hell of a lot harder if you've got no experience because as i said social proof is is loads but you get your social proof through your effort of your due diligence of what you're doing you document your journey of what you're studying who you're speaking to network events you've been to online versions and if people see that like when the people go into dragon's den some people never done business before they just show them the effort they've got to to present them that presentation and the dragons go i want to invest in you not even sure about your business idea i want to invest in you you're investable so okay you've got the money from us and that's what I talk about being an investable investor. So it doesn't matter if you've got no experience. If somebody can see you're making loads of effort, you're reading books, you're online, you're networking, you're educating yourself, you're sharing the mindset stuff you've done, the, the stuff to get out your own way and the little tips and tricks, and you're documenting this, you will become investable. If you're showing people, I'm, I've been viewing these properties. The thing is, for me, I'd like to say loads of people started wanting to invest in me, but the truth behind it more than likely is loads of people in my area want to get into property and they didn't have... 80, 90 grand for deposit. So as soon as they see me start buying these properties and they see the deposits were like 15K, I was like, oh, that's achievable. So you attract, if you're in an area that's, especially on the, in, in and around London, you will attract people because one, they'll start trusting you and two, they've seen the concept of what you're doing and whether that's buying properties or just doing the research to do that. And once you bought one, you you you, you document that. Also, when you go into the area, document the viewings you're doing, show your houses, like say to people the deposit this much I think the refurb's going to be this much the refurb is going to be this much because I estimate we need to do this this and this and I think this job will be that the more you can demonstrate you're doing your research if you've got no experience the more you're going to attract people probably friends and family first but yeah you definitely will uh, not definitely but you've got a good chance of attracting people but as I said what would you feel more comfortable uh, let lending off somebody 15k for a deposit or 100k for a deposit what would somebody trust you with easier 15k or 100k
Well, uh, <laughs> the lower man. <laughs> yes, if you don't have like much experience, so you don't like if you don't know you handling uh, a lot of money, then they try to give you small amount yeah. to see how you deal with that. Then maybe they give you more if you give the result. Then if they don't, if you don't give result, they don't. They will not give you more money. That's what I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so yeah. much of an easier entry. If you're trying to raise 15, 20k for these deals, it's much easier than trying to raise 100k for deal. Where I am, you'd need to raise 150k to do an HMO and maybe a bit more. So raise it even bit my level experience. It's hard to raise up, get 150k out of somebody. It's such a commitment. When when it's 15, 20k, people go, mm, okay, that's not my life. Like that's not my lifetime savings. I lose it. The, the pros are like they can weigh it up and it's not as risky for them. It's risky, but not as risky. Okay, okay. Yes, based in your in your explanation is that in property or any business, every little action counts. So everything yep. you're doing, document then. It might not make sense for you, but someone out there, you will see that you're going out, you're viewing the property, you're making the effort, you're going there, you're speaking with them. That's good. Yes, I like that. And I hope anyone who's watching want to get in the property they started taking action and now facebook youtube all of them is free and then most of us we have our smartphone which they have like handless uh, feature and um, capability we just use them to start developing now is our last question because uh, our time is not stopping time is one of the thing that we cannot stop but we can use them for our benefit so let's yeah. use our time with our last question so when you look uh, where you started and where you are today What are the lessons and advice you want to share with someone who is planning to start in property, especially looking to do a remote investment? Uh, mindset, you know. So the biggest thing that's going to get in your way is that big, and it's a thing between your ears. Is your is it's the mindset. The biggest challenge people say to me, "What's the biggest challenge you get in remote investing?" There's loads of challenges in it, like anything. There's challenges in properties local, and there's challenges in properties anywhere. Anything that's rewarding comes with challenge. You want to get in shape or anything. So the biggest challenge is getting over the mindset, evolve your ideas. That's that's part. That's my one line mission statement mixed with my uh, mixed with my uh, my prop, my why in life is evolve your ideas to live on your terms. So you've got to evolve your thinking. What worked 20 years ago is different today text there today you know like yeah it comes with challenges but as i said not as challenging as getting 100k for me for the next deposit you know so yeah you just really got to evolve and think out of the box and, and understand when you push forward and do anything you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable when you do something for the first time it's uncomfortable it's scary it's out of that comfort zone so yeah really work on your mindset and understanding what to do the more knowledge you'll get you don't want to analysis by paralysis and overdo the knowledge but the more you get an understanding for it the more you'll feel comfortable with it to break over that and get the support networks okay okay wow that's I believe that mindset is the engine for everything whatever we have to to do we have to prepare our brain because I believe that option is there there's a people with money there's a people to help us if we don't put ourselves out there and if we don't prepare ourselves it will be hard for us to do anything I remember one of the day I was talking to someone and they asked me why should I help you or why should I invest in you then That's the time for me to sell myself. If I don't feel confident with myself, if I don't know what I'm doing, then it will be hard for me to convince them because if you can convince yourself, then you can convince anyone. So before you go to anyone to get investment again and help, please help yourself get with knowledge. Maybe with your training, you can help them um, to get to where they want to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. You got to sell yourself daily. And for me, even to push forward now, to go from where I am to where I want to be, it's scary and it's out of my comfort zone. And then I procrastinate. I still get that. I have to sell myself. The biggest misconception of people: they see people doing well and being more successful, and they think they don't get that. They think they don't. They don't. They're not scared to do anything. We, they all are. The more successful somebody is, the better they are at controlling that little internal voice and shutting it up and then pushing through them barriers anyway. You know, so eighty percent of what you'll do will be psychology, and twenty percent will be strategy. You you want to learn as much as that 20% as you can, but the rest will be mindset. Loads of us know and don't do. Loads of us know to exercise every day. It's just a moderate walk every day. Eat less sugar. Simple things in life, but you can't do them. There's a knowledge action gap, so you've got to work on the mindset more. You can just go on Google, YouTube, any place in the community, my community, and find a, a, a detailed checklist of how to do anything today, pretty much. So it's not the knowledge. The knowledge is not the thing. There's a knowledge action gap, and it's the mindset that's more important than the knowledge. The knowledge is important also, guys. Don't ignore that part, but the mindset is the biggest thing, like, uh, the biggest challenge I find with most people. Wow. My, pro my program is all about challenge mindset. I love uh, leadership and, um, and entrepreneurship. Uh, I, I love leader and entrepreneur mindset, and I can see that in area of leader, you're good with leading, leading your family, leading your business, and that you're also very good entrepreneur, starting up and scaling your business to where it is. So that's you finish the interview in very good point mindset. That's all we are about because I believe with right mindset. Even sky is not limit anymore. You can go past the sky, go to maybe heaven or whatever it is out there. Andrew, thanks for your time. And uh, we look forward to see you back in the future in our program and uh, getting us ready for maybe when we have another lockdown. <laughs> we don't go down with the lockdown. We go yeah. up and then leave lockdown down. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for uh, inviting me on again, uh, Eddie. It's uh, been a pleasure, mate. I enjoy, always enjoy talking to you. Okay, okay. Thanks for your time and uh, continue having a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye.